Good morning, everyone. The life hack today is very simple. It's how to share your faith. The first time I ever shared my faith was actually with a schoolmate of mine. His name was Rodney. I was 10 years old and in grade 5. And we were uh, just back from, from the summer holidays. We had a, I'd, I'd had a fantastic summer. I'd gone to camp. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I just had a, an extraordinary experience with God. And the very first thing that I wanted to do when I got back to school is I wanted to tell everybody about my experience with God. I wanted everybody to know about, about my, my faith. And so I, uh, I noticed that Rodney was sitting alone at the back of the school bus. It was on the way to our swimming lessons. And just to show you how old I am, the swimming lessons were at the Sherbert Pool. I think it's about 150 years old. And uh, there we were traveling to Sherbert Pool. Now, you'll notice I called him my schoolmate. I did not call him my school friend because we weren't friends. In fact, Rodney was a bit of a bully. And Rodney did not have a lot of friends. He was a clever kid. He was smart. He did well in school, but didn't have a lot of people in his life that he had anything to do with. He was angry. He was just an angry kid. And so I began to share my faith with him. Now, I just want to remind everybody, I'm I'm only 10. I haven't been to Bible school. I haven't read any books about how to share your faith. Uh, I don't even really know Christianity that well. I knew that I'd become a Christian, but I really, really was no theologian. I certainly wasn't an apologist for the faith. There's no way that I could debate my faith. But I knew what Jesus had done for me. And so I just started to share with him. And, and Rodney's response was very interesting. I, didn't, I had no idea how he'd respond. I didn't know if he'd get angry at me and, and try to bully me. I had no idea what he would do. But you know what he said to me? And, and his eyes welled up with tears. And he said, there's no way that God would ever accept me. Remember, this is a 10-year-old kid saying this. I said, why would you say that, Rodney? And he said, it's because I'm, I'm too bad. I've done too many bad things. Now, it's kind of shocking because you think to yourself, what on earth could a 10-year-old do? I'm going to tell you something, folks. At 10 years of age, a 10-year-old knows whether he's pleasing God or not. And so here's little Rodney, and he's pretty convinced that God would reject him. Now, here's the interesting thing. As I'm speaking to Rodney, suddenly a scripture verse that I had I'd learned in, uh, it's actually in, in the boys' program, Stockades, came to my memory. And the Bible says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I said that to Rodney. I said, Rodney, you're no different than anybody else. And if God could save me, then God can save you. And so there, two 10-year-old boys, the back of the old school bus on the way to Sherbert Pool, I was able to lead Rodney, the class bully, I was able to lead him to the Lord, and he accepted Jesus into his life. I want us to recognize today that as followers of Jesus Christ, our responsibility, really it's our first act as Christians, is to really share our faith, to tell others what Jesus Christ has done for us. Have you, as a Christian, ever wondered why, after you accept Christ, Christ doesn't just, the church doesn't sort of stick you into a transporter and then shoot you up to heaven? 
I mean, why hang around? Once you become a Christian, why not just go directly to heaven? I mean, everything that we do here as Christians, we can do in heaven. We can worship in heaven. We can hear the word of God. I mean, right from God himself. Um, in heaven, there is no pain. There's no suffering. There's no sorrow. Why doesn't God just get us out of here? We can have fun in heaven. Heaven is a wonderful place. Why doesn't God just take us away? Well, here's the thing. There's really only two things that you can't do in heaven that you can do here on earth. And the first thing is obvious. You can't sin in heaven. But the second thing is you can't witness to non-Christians in heaven. And so if you are a Christian today, you've given your heart to Christ, Christ has saved you, God has given you a work to do until that day that you actually go to be with him. And your job and my job is to go and share our faith with a world that's broken and hurting. Here's what you need to understand. The heartbeat of God is for a broken and hurting world. It's the reason why God sent his own son to this world. The Bible says that Jesus came to this earth. He left heaven. He came to this earth to do what? To seek and to save what was lost. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in Jesus will not perish, but have everlasting life. So what you and I need to do is we, you and I need to understand the very heartbeat of God. And the heartbeat of God is he loves this broken and hurting world. For many of us, we would prefer to get ourselves into a Christian ghetto, put up walls against the world, Try not to be involved in the world. Try not to let our kids play with people who are not believers. We'd rather just sort of stick to ourselves. But I'm going to tell you something. This is not Christian. Jesus in his prayer in John chapter 17 says very clearly that Jesus does not take us out of the world, but he leaves us in the world. Not to be of the world, but to be in the world. Why? To be salt and light. To be agents of God so that others may come to know the God who loves them. I became a Christian because someone took the time to tell me about it. And guess what? My responsibility as a Christian is to also take the time to tell others. Now, I could tell you more stories about my childhood and kids that I brought to church. I was thinking this morning of uh, an old Calvary temple when it was still standing Pastor Barber used to have uh, altar calls every Sunday night. In case you don't know what that is, is that he would preach an evangelistic message about Christ's love, and then, and then he would invite anybody that wanted to come forward to receive Christ that they could do that. So I, I was diligent. I loved to bring my friends to church. And I remember one particular Sunday night I was wearing, I don't know why, I guess it was a hand-me-down shirt. I was wearing a bright, bright pink shirt. I don't see a pink shirt in here like it, except maybe my sister-in-law over there. Bright, bright pink. And Pastor Barbara gave the altar call, and my friend was sitting beside me. His name is Donald. I, I poked him. I said, do you want to go forward? Do you want to go forward? Do you want to ask Jesus? He goes, I do, but I'm too scared to go. I said, I'll take you. And he looked at me and then looked at my shirt. You sure you want to go up in front of everybody in that pink shirt? I said, come on, let's go. And so uh, I remember like it happened yesterday. We sitting up in the gallery, got Donald to join me, and we walked down to the front together, and he accepted Christ into his life. I'm going to tell you something. When I think of my, my childhood, those are the most exciting moments of my life. 
being able to share my faith, to share what Jesus Christ had done for me with others. Now, here's, here's the thing. I mean, I remember clearly when I became a Christian. I remember clearly when I was in, we were invited to, to give our lives to Jesus. And I was like, I, I, it's got to me. i got to do that. And I remember praying the prayer and feeling like I had the whole weight of the, shoulder, of, of the world lifted off my shoulders, feeling like a million bucks. Just couldn't believe that anybody could be so happy. Folks, there's a whole world out there, believe it or not, You think they're hostile towards Christians, but they're waiting. They're waiting for someone to come along and to share their faith. And my question to you today is this. When's the last time you shared your faith with someone? In fact, let me go a little bit deeper. When's the last time you actually led somebody to Christ? Now, I'm speaking to those of you who are actually believers, those of you who call yourself Christians. Because here's what you need to understand. Jesus Christ, before he ever left this world, gave very clear instructions to to his disciples. And I want to read it to you. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus' disciples, they thought that actually Jesus was coming to set up a, a kingdom, to set up his kingdom on the earth, that Jesus was there to kick the Romans out of Jerusalem and Judea. But Jesus had another plan, which they didn't fully understand at the moment. And and here's what it says. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has a time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know. And then look at this, verse 8 of Acts chapter 1. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men, angels, suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here, staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. What these angels are essentially saying to these men is, look, stop stop standing around. Chop, chop, let's go, move it. You've got work to do. Go do what Jesus said to do. And so what they did is they went to the the upper room. They went and waited on God. And and, uh, if you read the book of Acts, you find it. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls upon those believers waiting for God. They're instantly empowered, and they instantly begin to share their faith. In fact, I would tell everybody here today, if you haven't read the book of Acts yet, you have to read the book of Acts. It's absolutely amazing. It's right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Read the book of Acts, and you'll see that that book is all about Jesus Christ being witnessed to the world. And it's interesting that within, within just a matter of less than 100 years, the gospel spreading throughout the world. Everybody's hearing about it. Why? Because this is the mark of the early believer. They were all evangelists. They were all witnesses to Jesus Christ. They went to tell others of what Christ has done for them. By the way, this is not the only place where we read this. You've heard me talk about the Great Commission at the end of the book of Matthew. Jesus says, go into all the world and do what? And preach the gospel to everyone. 
baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And Jesus says, surely I'll be with you to the end of the age. These are the last words, the last commands of our Lord and our Savior. And by the way, that's why we send out these missions teams. All these people up here, they went in obedience to Christ. To do what? To simply share what Jesus Christ had done in their lives. So Jesus is telling every believer, if you're a Christian today, this is your job. Now, some people have this notion of this idea that what's not my job, it's Billy Graham take care of that, and we'll let Franklin Graham, they're the evangelists, we'll let them tell people about Christ. I'm too scared to do that. Jesus does not, there's no footnote in my Bible that says, oh, by the way, this command only applies to people who have the gift of evangelism. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say this, this command to share your faith only applies to those who've been to Bible college, who've got special training, or who've read the, who've read the manual, or read the book. No, it doesn't say that. Jesus simply says, go and tell people about what I've done for you. My mom, a few weeks ago, she was... Uh, at the dealership getting her car fixed, and uh, she had to wait for a while, so the shuttle driver said, where, where can I take you, and we'll bring you back later. And so as they're driving, I don't know how they got into the conversation, but uh, my mom starts telling the driver all about her son, who's a pastor, like a Jewish mother. you you got to see my son. <laughs> and so they did. When Sunday showed up, this couple I've never seen before, they're sitting midway to the back, and after the service, they came to introduce themselves. They said, so good to see you, and how'd you find out about us? And they said, well, your mother, my, my mom, your, your mom, your mom invited us to come. I thought, wow, so easy, so simple, so amazing. Do you know, have you ever, has anybody ever heard of Andrew, one of the apostles? He was the first evangelist. He wasn't, he wasn't a brilliant evangelist, but he was good enough, was good enough to be able to get his brother Peter to come and hear Jesus. And you know the story, if you've read anything about the, about the New Testament and gone through the book of Acts, you know that the apostle Peter becomes the head of the church in Jerusalem. And it all because his brother Andrew was willing to say, hey, Peter, you got to come and hear this guy. It's amazing. you got to come and hear Jesus. And you know the story. These men become sold-out followers for Christ. Folks, to be a follower of Jesus Christ means that you are a witness of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing that really troubles me today in the year 2015, is that we have, we have settled. We believe that as long as we are listening to good teaching on the Internet, following all these great preachers on YouTube, and we're listening to great TV programs, and we're listening to spiritual music. We've got praise and worship. We're listening to CHVN all the time. And I, Pastor, I'm getting Christian books in the mail all the time, and I've got 17 versions of the Bible. I'm spiritual. And I want to say, who cares? Who have you won to Christ? Who did you invite to church? Who's heard your testimony? Who knows about your faith? Oh, but pastor, I'm spiritual. I'm reading all these books, and I'm, I'm learning Greek even so I can read it in the original language. And my response is, who cares? Who has heard about your Savior because you've been faithful to share? Here's what I know, is that if you haven't experienced Jesus working in your life, 
If Jesus hasn't been speaking to you, if you haven't been transformed yet by the word of God, well, you can't be a witness. A witness, by definition, is someone who has seen or heard or experienced something. And all those of us who have experienced the work of Jesus Christ in our life have been given a commission, have given a responsibility by our Master, our Lord, our Savior. Jesus says, go. Go share the good news. Go tell others about Christ. Folks, this is why we teach in our seven habits, is one of the habits is go make disciples, habit number six. We, you need to do that. It's life-changing. I'm going to tell you this. I've been doing it ever since I became a Christian. I've been sharing my faith. And I could keep you here today telling you story after story of one miraculous uh, story after another of ways that I've been able to share my faith. You say, well, Pastor, can, can I just be honest with you, Pastor? I'm, I'm afraid to. And I, my response would be, well, why are you afraid to share your faith? And your response might be, well, because I don't know what to say. Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because here's what you need to say. You need to tell people that Jesus Christ has got the solution to their big problem, their biggest problem. And here's what I know is everybody's big problem. People feel a sense of guilt and a sense of shame. They have sinned, they've fallen short, and they want to know, how can I be free? How can I, how can I have my heart washed clean? And folks, this is what Christianity is all about. It's not just about rituals and routines and religious activity. It's all about Jesus Christ coming along and washing your heart clean as though you'd never sinned. Folks, we call this the gospel. Gospel is just a fancy way of saying good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ can wash away your sin as though, David, you'd never sinned before. Isn't that fantastic? As though... You had never, ever sinned. And that's why when I was just a boy and gave my heart to Jesus, I felt that the weight of the world had lifted from my shoulders. I felt that Jesus Christ had washed me clean. And that's available to anybody today who has not yet put their faith in Christ. Christ can wash your heart clean. And it gets even better. The Bible says that Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. So the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. To any who will believe, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what you share with people who want to know how to be saved. And it gets even better. You say, well, what do I have to pay for this? Because some people have this notion or this idea that if they come to church, they've got to pay their way. That's what the offering plate is about. We pass the offering plate away. You put a, put a fiver in the plate and your sins are washed away. No, 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 no. That's not what giving is all about. Okay? And if you don't want to give, you don't have to give. That's between you and God. Nobody's expecting it. Nobody's pushing it. The Bible says all I have to do if I want to receive this eternal life, receive Jesus Christ's gift, washing my heart clean, all I have to do is put my faith in him. And it gets better. Once you put your faith in Jesus Christ and Christ washes away your sin, guess what happens next? The Bible says that that Jesus makes you into a brand new creation. That's right. You become a brand new you. 
Angela, isn't that amazing? When you become a Christian, it's a brand new Angela. The old Angela is dead, and you're a brand new creation. All your past, all your sins, all the bad things that you did, and man, there was a lot, right, Angela? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We're all the same here, folks. It's all washed away, right? Brand new slate, you're a brand new person through Jesus Christ. And it, it gets better. And not only do you become a brand new person, but Jesus promises to give you an abundant life, whereby you receive his peace, you receive a sense of joy, you receive his Holy Spirit who helps you and guides you so you're not trying to figure this life out all on your own anymore. But wait, there's more. That's not like a TV salesman. But wait, there's more. Jesus not only gives you a brand new life, Jesus doesn't just give you an abundant life, a happy life. He gives you eternal life. This is the gospel. This is the message that Jesus Christ has entrusted to us to bring to a broken and hurting world. That's the gospel. This is good news. A few weeks ago, we talked about how to be happy. And we said that Jesus began his ministry it's sort of his, his inaugural address. You know what president gives his inaugural address and then he begins his administration? It's Jesus begins his ministry with his inaugural address. We don't call it an inaugural address. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And it begins with the Beatitudes. And what do we discover? We discover that Jesus is answering the question that every human being on the face of this planet has. It's universal, and it's the same through, through every millennia. Every human being has the same question, and here's the question. How can I be happy? Isn't that amazing? That's how Jesus begins his ministry, by answering the question, how you can be happy. And basically, Jesus says, die to yourself. Happy are those, or blessed is the way it says in, the, in your Bible, but actually in the Greek, it says happy are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Happy are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Happy are the, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. Happy. Here's how you're going to be happy. By putting your faith in Jesus Christ and living the way Jesus wants you to live. So this is the gospel, and this is what we are called to share with everybody. But you say, Pastor Allen, okay, good, I understand that, but how do I do it? How do I witness because that's what it says we got to do. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, and that's what that trip to Israel just did, in the Philippines, what well, says Judea, in the Philippines, and Garden Hill, to the other uttermost parts of the earth. You're going to go and be my witnesses. Well, how do I do it? Okay, so here's what I know. And this is no, no offense intended to anybody uh, here, but when, when I think of witness, the, 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 the first idea, the first thing that comes to my mind are, JWs, Jehovah's Witnesses, and Mormons. Knocking on your door, standing on the street corner, or people who, uh, you know, maybe take it to a bit of an extreme, standing on the street corner, corner with their Bibles and yelling and screaming prophetic words and on, so on and so forth. And you think to yourself, man, I don't want to do that, Pastor. Is that what you're asking me to do? No. When Gloria and I were still living on Elgin Avenue, uh, I was building the fence in front of our house, and a JW lady came by, nice lady, thick Mediterranean accent, and uh, she began to tell me about her faith, her Jehovah's Witness faith, and she could see I was 
building a fence, but she didn't care. I mean, I wanted to say, if you want to talk to me, pick up his shovel and we can, we can talk as we work. But no, she wasn't having any of that. She began to tell me uh, about her faith. And the first thing I said is this. I said, well, hang on a minute here. Tell me what you think about Jesus. Because as a pastor, as one who knows the scripture, I know that Jesus Christ is, as the Bible says, is the answer. Jesus Christ is a solution for my sin. Jesus Christ is the one who washes my heart clean. Jesus Christ is the one who makes me fit for heaven. Jesus is the one who gives me abundant life. I said, well, what do you have to say about Jesus? Now, you would think that if she's there knocking on my door, or in this case, bugging me as I'm making my fence, you would think the first thing that she'd want to talk about is a solution to my sin. But no, what does she do? She turns to John chapter 1, verse 1, and starts reading to me from her, uh, her New World Translation. By the way, if you've got a copy of the New World Translation, I would recommend that you... Well, how can I put it nicely? Just get rid of it. I'll tell you why. Because it's not true to the original Greek documents. So I said to the woman, I said to her, uh, so what you're telling me is that, is that that's the most important thing? And in case you don't know what I'm talking about, John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was, was the Word, and the Word was with God. And in the, new, the JW translation, it says, and the Word was a God. Can I tell you that in the Greek, there is no a there. That's been added. So I said to the woman, I said, I don't think that as in there. Oh, yes, it is. I said, do you know Greek? I was a missionary in Greece for four and a half years. I studied New Testament Greek in Bible college, and I asked her the question, do you know Greek? I said, I, t- I know Greek. Her face went white, and then she just took off, gone. Didn't say another word to me. Wasn't interested in any more that I had to say. Folks, listen to me. What matters is not that you and I go and be great theologians or great prophets or apologists debating and fighting for the faith. That's not what Jesus is saying here. What Jesus is asking us to do is to go and share with other people what Jesus has done for us. When I was in Bible school, one of the things that we had to do was compulsory is that we had to do, we had to take a course called personal evangelism. And part of the course is that we had to go door to door, knock on doors and go and share. Uh, you know, they're talking about the four spiritual laws. There's actually a little book there called The Four Spiritual Laws that actually leads the process of sharing the faith. And so I just thought, oh, man, this doesn't seem like it's going to work. And I just like, oh, God, help me, and I don't want to do this. I'm too scared. I'm too nervous. But we prayed together. My partner, Jackie uh, uh, Christensen, she, was, uh, she came along. I said to Jackie, okay, you do the praying. I'll do the talking for this one, and then next time we'll reverse it. And so uh, we did that back and forth. But the third place he went to, knocked on the door, and it was a woman who just come from Italy, and we said, we're here to share our faith. And I thought, you know, the door slammed on her face. And she said, oh, well, that's wonderful. Come on in. What faith are you selling? 
Well, actually, I'm not really selling a faith. I just want to share our, we want to share our faith. And so I said, are you, would you be open to that? She said, certainly. She began to just share with her a little bit about what I just told you what the gospel is. Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for your sin. Jesus Christ has washed your heart clean. If you put your faith in Christ, it's all it takes. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to even do good works. Just put your faith in Christ, and Jesus Christ will wash you clean. And he'll make you a brand new person. He'll give you abundant life. He'll give you eternal life. She said, I want that. And I said, really? (laughs) Nobody more shocked than me. She said, yeah, I want that. And so together we prayed. And she's crying. Jackie's crying. I thought I should cry. And she, you know what she said to me after? She said, you know what? I'm lonely in this country. I have nobody. And I cried out to God that God would send somebody along. All it took was a couple of shy, innocent Bible college students to obediently follow Christ and do what God said. And she accepted Christ and she started going to church. I discovered something. I discovered something about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because here's what so many of us don't realize. As we go forward sharing our faith with others, we, we think it's, it's like, I gotta, be, I gotta rehearse my script. I gotta know what to say. I gotta know what not to say. I gotta, gotta you know, learn these techniques. Look it. Just be yourself. And let the Holy Spirit do his part. You go and share what Jesus has done for you and let the Holy Spirit do his work, and you'll see miracle after miracle. Do you know what? We really complicate things. <laughs> There's a, this, is, this is this sort of latest talk on evangelism. There's, they call it two types of evangelism. They call it shark evangelism. And shark evangelism is actually to, you zero in on somebody, you go in for the kill. You sort of twist their arm and make them say a, a prayer and make them, make them do whatever you want them to do. I mean... Most people are polite. If you've got somebody coming along and trying to shove their religion down your throat, you're going to do anything and say anything to get them off your case, right? So obviously that's not the way to do it. There's another kind of evangelism. They call it dolphin evangelism. It's kind of, you've got to be warm and friendly and cuddly and cozy. And, and what you do is all you, you, you just be nice to people. Have free car washes in Jesus' name and give out free Cokes. And I know one church, they were giving out free light bulbs in Jesus' name. Look at we don't need to do these elaborate things. All we have to do is look at the people who are in our circle, the people you work with, the people who are your neighbors, the people you live next door to, your own family members, anybody that you know that doesn't know Jesus. They want to hear you just share your story. Jesus says, go and be witnesses. He doesn't say, go and be a theologian. Go and be an apologist. He says, go and be a witness. Just share your story. What difference has Jesus made in your life? I love that story in John chapter 9. Jesus comes to town. There's a guy who's blind, can't see anything. And he wants Jesus to touch him, to heal him. And Jesus says, okay, I can do that. Now remember, it's the Sabbath day. And if you are Jewish, you understand that on the Sabbath day, you don't work. So what does Jesus do? He picks up a bit of earth off the ground, spits in it, 
makes a little potion in his hand, some mud, and then he takes the mud and he wipes it on the blind man's eyes. Instantly, the man's healed. The Pharisees, they get word of this. They're furious. They're furious that a blind man can now see. And I'll tell you why the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders of the day, they're furious because they believe that when Jesus took the earth and spit in it, made mud, that is considered work. And therefore, it's sin. So now these Pharisees, they're really upset about this. And they call the blind man to him and they say, you know, how on earth could a sinner heal you? This is impossible. Sinners can't heal you. They're calling Jesus a sinner because Jesus made mud and healed this guy so he could see. And then finally, they're, they're upset and they ask the guy, it's hilarious. They ask the blind guy, no education, no theological training. And they said, well, what's your opinion? What do you think? You can read this in John chapter 9. And the blind man says, well, like, must be a prophet. That's impossible. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, well, you asked me. You don't know what you're talking about. And they go back to debating again, and they're angry, and hot. there's no way that this guy could be healed by Jesus because he did the healing on the Sabbath, and he made mud, which is work. And then they called the kid, the guy's parents. And they said, well, was this true? Was he really blind from birth? Yes, he was blind from birth. And was he healed? And the parents said, Ask him yourself. He's a man. He can talk for himself. So they asked him again. Did Jesus heal you? Did this sinner heal you? Now listen to his response, John chapter 9, 25, because I love this. He says, look, I don't know whether he's a sinner. I don't know if he's a prophet. I don't know what he is. But I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. Folks, this is what we call witnessing. Before Jesus Christ came into my life, my life was a wreck. Before Jesus came into my life, my life was out of control. Before Jesus came into my life, I had no peace. I was unhappy. My life was unraveling. My marriage was unraveling. My kids were unraveling. There was no joy in our family. I was in debt, and I couldn't get out of debt. My life was a wreck. But when I came to know Jesus Christ and started to live the way Jesus Christ called me to live, that was a game changer. Everything was different thereafter. So whatever you want to say about Jesus, I know this. I'm a better person. I'm a new person because of him. Folks, this is what you call witnessing. Now, I've got, look, there are thousands and thousands of books written on this subject, how to share your faith, how to witness. Look it, save your money, you don't need to buy any books on it. Just simply do what I'm telling you to do today, and that's this. Go and tell people what Jesus Christ has done for you. Invite them, come. Come and discover my church family. We have an awesome family here. Come and discover it. And find out what a difference Jesus can make in your life. So what I love about my small group. In our small group, there are a good handful of people that have not yet put their faith in Christ. But they're there because they're, they're coming to discover what Jesus Christ can do for them. And I'm going to tell you, we're seeing some really wonderful things happen. Do you know what? Let me just close with this. Let's coming back from pastor's conference in the middle of June, just about a month away, it went a month ago, and uh, I booked my tickets the night before, and I thought, I'm going to actually try to get a better seat between Toronto and Winnipeg so I can have a bit of a nap. And so I spent $16, got an upgrade, sat right at the front. 
And I thought, I'm going to have a good nap and put my feet up and relax. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to have somebody in front of me reclining on me. And the first thing that happens, as soon as I sit down, the guy sitting beside me says, uh, hey. I said, hey. Because guys don't know what to say. And he says to me, so, so what do you do? I said, oh, well, I'm a pastor. He goes, what? <laughs> pastor, uh, like a priest, a minister? Oh, 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 okay. Good. And I said, and what do you do? Well, I'm a medical equipment technician. Hmm. I said, well, that's interesting. My wife is a nurse. And actually, she works with medical equipment all the time. He goes, really? Yes. It's guy talk, you know. <laughs> and I said, she's a dialysis nurse. He goes, really? I said, yes. Where does she work? I think he's getting a little bit personal now. But I'm sensing something. I said, well, she's a, a dialysis nurse at Seven Oaks. That's where I work. I said, do you know Gloria Duncalf? Yes, do you? <laughs> I said, well, yes, it's my wife. And then there's silence. I said, is she nice? (laughs) (laughs) And she passed the test. He said, she's brilliant. And then we've got started to talk. And I just, now I know I'm not going to be sleeping between Toronto and Winnipeg. And I said, isn't that your son sitting over there? He goes, yeah, you know what? I tried, we tried to get seats together, but, you know, it's somebody. I don't know how that happened, but, you know, your, this seat that you're sitting in was already taken. I'm thinking to myself, last night, <laughs> last night I bought this seat, separated father and son. I said, do you want your son to sit beside you? No, I don't. I said, oh. <laughs> so we started to talk. He started to ask me about what I believe. And I started to tell him. And he started asking me about what he believed. I said, well, I don't know what you believe. What do you believe? He goes, well, I'm from a Roman Catholic background. And uh, I never, can I just say this? If you're witnessing, never ever put anybody's religion or their spiritual background. Don't ever do that. So I just started answering questions. We started talking. He said, I grew up Catholic. What's the difference? And then he asked me about what we have to do in, in our religion, to, to go to heaven. And I explained to him exactly what I explained to you. Just put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's what it says in Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what the Bible says. Because that's amazing. And so all the way back to Winnipeg from Toronto for two and a half hours, he asked me question after question. He said, you know what? We touched down in Winnipeg. He goes, you know what? My wife and I got to come to your church. I said, you would be more than welcome. And if you do, I'll take you for lunch. He had a bit of a giggle and a laugh. And then he turned to me. He said, no, seriously. He says, I know this is not a coincidence. I know that this is not a coincidence. 
Folks, so here's what you need to understand. If you want your Christianity and your faith to go to a whole new level, where you are excited about being a follower of Jesus Christ, where you are, are pumped up and on fire about your faith, then what you need to do is you need to say, Spirit of the living God, take charge of my life and begin to use me as your supernatural agent. And folks, you will begin to experience the most phenomenal, the most exciting, the most miraculous things that you would ever experience. And it happens when you sign up and you say, God, use me. You see, at the end of the day, it's not you that wins people to Christ. It's rather the Holy Spirit through you. Because God loves the people in your life. You say, Pastor Allen, you don't know my mother-in-law. You don't know my father-in-law. You don't know my brother-in-law. You don't know my sister. You don't know my mother. You don't know my father. You don't know my neighbors. You don't know my boss. You don't know the people I work with. Listen, folks, everyone needs to know Jesus because Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. That's what Cross Church is about. We're saying, God, here am I. Use me to bring your hope, your healing, your life to broken and lost people. Would you stand with me, please? God, we just want to say thank you right now for your hand upon us, thanking you, God, that your Holy Spirit right now is working in the hearts of people, and you're just waiting for us to show up for duty, to make ourselves available, to talk to people, to talk to our friends and family. God, you're not asking us to be Bible college-educated theologians. You're just asking us to share with others what Jesus has done for us. And God, your word tells us clearly that you, by your Holy Spirit, work with your people who are willing to do what you say, and you uh, will bring many to Christ. And we pray that would happen through the people of our church. And we pray that in Christ's name. Everyone said it with me? Tell the person beside you, go witness. <laughs>